Hey there, podcast listeners. We're so glad you're listening in. My name is Art Wright, and I'm the pastor at Williamsburg Baptist Church in historic Williamsburg, Virginia. The sermon you're about to listen to is called Listen. It is the based on the Pentecost reading from Acts chapter 2, and in worship we read um, from verses 1 to 21. Um, this is our Pentecost celebration. If you don't know, Pentecost is 50 days after the Jewish festival of Passover, and it is a, a spring harvest festival and a religious festival that the Jewish people celebrated. And it's the day that we in the Christian church celebrate as the day in which the Holy Spirit came upon the believers uh, and in which we also celebrate as the birthday of the church. So you'll see that reflected in the sermon. I do hope it's meaningful to you in your spiritual journey. We Next week, we're starting a new summer series called Childhood Stories of the Bible Revisited. And so we hope you'll make plans to listen in to that or even join us in person. You can find out more by visiting our website at www.williamsburgbaptist.com. Again, thanks so much for listening in. Hope you enjoy. Thanks, Sydney. You have to wonder sometimes if the gospel writers snuck jokes into the text. The comment about the disciples all being filled with new wine, which is apparently especially potent. And then Peter saying, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk yet. Thank you, Tim, as well, and the virtual choir for leading us. It's such a gift to have musicians uh, really from all over the world join us in worship here. One of the gifts of the pandemic. Because it's Pentecost, I have to start today's sermon with a favorite joke of mine. Some of you have probably heard it, but I hope you can bear with it. What do you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. Yeah, that's right. What do you, what do you call someone who speaks two languages? Bilingual. That's right. What do you call someone who only speaks one language? American. That's right. <laughs> It's not entirely true. There's certainly truth in it, though. I know several of you speak multiple languages, but we as Americans are not necessarily known for our ability to speak multiple languages. My wife and I both speak Spanish to varying degrees. She is much better than I am. I am not fluent by a long shot, but I might characterize my Spanish proficiency as adventurous. I think I know enough to try to convey certain ideas. At least I'll risk it. Beth and I were in Spain for a trip about 10 years ago, and this one morning we found ourselves trying to catch a train to Madrid, and we ended up on this bus trying to get to the train station. We had no idea where the train station was or where to hop off the bus to make it in time. And so there was one gentleman on the bus, and Beth is much shyer than I am and much less likely to ask for help in a situation like that. But I had this feeling if I didn't say something, we'd miss our train. And so I said to the man in the clearest, you know, Virginia accent, but Spanish that I could muster, Donde esta el estacion del tren? 
hoping against hope that those were the words were at least reasonably close to what I thought I was saying. He looked at me with some confusion, and my recollection, Beth may remember this differently, but my recollection is that Beth gently patted my arm and gave the man a knowing look and began to explain in Spanish that we were trying to figure out where to hop off the bus so we could catch our train. He did help us find our stop. We caught our train, and I'm convinced to this day that he helped us avoid a really bad travel day. We ended up enjoying the rest of our trip. There are so many stories like that I feel like we could probably tell. I wish my Spanish was better, but I'm grateful for the ways in which the ability to speak or even attempt to speak a different language fosters connection where there might not otherwise be connection. The comedian Trevor Noah, who's the host of The Daily Show and who's South African, says in his memoir, when you make the effort to speak someone else's language, Even if it's just basic phrases here and there, you're saying to them, I see you as a human being. That willingness to step across the threshold, as uncomfortable as it might be, the barrier created by different languages, signals a willingness to cross all the barriers that separate us one from another. It signals a willingness to see the other, not just as an other, but as a bearer of the divine image both of us beloved by the Divine One. On the day of Pentecost, as Sidney described, Jesus' disciples are hunkered down, praying and waiting for God to reveal to them what's next. Their numbers are small. The book of Acts says there's something like merely 120 believers in the wake of Jesus' resurrection and ascension. It wasn't a socially or politically mandated cap on the number who had gathered, but the Holy Spirit would soon blow past it anyway. And lo and behold, this violent yet divine wind unexpectedly fills the house. Tongue-like flames descend upon the believers, and all are filled with the Holy Spirit, which sends them out into the streets where thousands of Jewish pilgrims from all over the known world have gathered for the Pentecost festival. And the Holy Spirit opens the mouths of believers, and they start sharing good news about Jesus, not just in Aramaic or Hebrew, but in every language imaginable, so that everyone with an earshot can understand the message. Greek, Latin, Egyptian, Parthian, Syriac, The list goes on and on. Here's the thing. My hunch is that on that first day of Pentecost, on the birthday of the church, the Holy Spirit could have come rushing in just about any way with any miracle you might have expected. Whatever makes the biggest bang. And yet the miracle of Pentecost is the bridging of this simple yet profound barrier and gap between people. Language. It doesn't erase their differences. They aren't all speaking and hearing the same language like before the Tower of Babel. But the Holy Spirit is able to transcend their differences in the moment, to connect them in this moment, and not only to bind them as a church, but to transform their understanding of their place and their purpose in the world.
The temptation of the Pentecost story is to try to understand what's going on, to try to make sense of this speaking in tongues thing, to try to untangle the mass of theological questions that the story poses. As I was preparing for my sermon this week, I was bumping around a little bit online, and it would have been easy for me to accidentally wade into an online argument about what exactly happened on Pentecost. Was it really wind, or was it just the sound of wind? What in the world were the tongues of fire? Were they literal or symbolic? Did the believers really speak different languages, or did everyone there simply hear them in their own languages? But I think any arguments like that miss the point of the story entirely, which is entirely about the power of God's Spirit breaking into the world, doing a new thing, crossing barriers and spreading outward with the divine message of love for the world, starting right here, right here. I saw an article this last week in Christianity Today. It was entitled, Back Without a Bang. Returning to church won't be the celebration we once imagined. I have to be honest, I couldn't read the entire article because it was behind a paywall of all things. But the title in the beginning of the article struck me, this week of all weeks in which I was thinking about Pentecost, which is all about a big bang of sorts. Do you remember last March when we closed? Do you remember how you imagined the future? That maybe we'd, re maybe not Deb, but everybody else was sitting here thinking, we'll be back in a couple weeks and we'll all be hugging and high-fiving. We had no idea we'd be wearing these things over a year later. But does anyone want to try to convince me that each step we've taken out of the pandemic hasn't been a celebration? Come on, man. <laughs> Channeling a famous politician there. If you were here at the picnic last Sunday, you know it was a celebration. It felt so good to be together and eat together. It felt like the Holy Spirit was connecting us together and binding us or rebinding us as a community together after all this time. Each Sunday that we've gathered in worship and taken one more step back to normalcy, it's felt like a celebration. When we've started singing again, when we've snuck in hugs, when we've met someone in person for the first time that we'd only ever connected with via Zoom, in all these months. Each blood drive and vaccine drive that we've had at the church to serve our community, each new face that walks in the door, each care package we dropped off to school-aged children who are struggling mightily this year. Folks, the Spirit is at work in this place. I've sensed it every, ever since I got connected with you guys. God's Spirit is at work here. I don't think it's unique to this church, but I don't want you to doubt for a second that it's not true here. The Holy Spirit is empowering us to be church together, and not just the 120 folks who are already part of the fold, 
but a lot of folks who are yet to step in the door. And whether we like it or not, the same Spirit is going to send us out those doors into a world that desperately needs to hear words that are Spirit-filled and filled with love. This is a shameless plug. Many of you have probably heard that we're taking a trip next year to the Holy Land, a year from now. In fact, a year from now, some of us will be there. We're going with a group from the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Virginia. And if you have any interest in going, reach out. We'd love to figure out how we can make it work. If you don't go, don't fret. I promise we'll bring back lots of stories and pictures. But I've been with CVF Virginia before, and the last time I was there, we happened to be in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. We happened to go to the room where, according to church tradition, the events of today's scripture reading took place. It's known as the cynical, if you want to Google it later. It's a Latin word for dining room. It's also supposedly where the Last Supper happened. And so we found ourselves in these, this room filled with Christian pilgrims from all over the world, gathered together to pray and to remember and to learn. Christians of all colors and stripes, nationalities, political backgrounds, languages. Each one a testament to God's ongoing work in the world and the Spirit's work. I took a recording while I was there. Uh, it's about 30 seconds, and I'd like to share it with you. It's hard to make out the individual voices in the room, but I hope it will give you a sense of what it sounded like with these pilgrims talking and praying in dozens of different languages. wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Can you hear it, though? It's the sound of the Holy Spirit at work, connecting people to God, to creation, and to one another. It's chaotic and beautiful, all at the same time, just like the first Pentecost. It was an electric feeling to be in the midst of this crowded room, not understanding a word of what was being said by the other pilgrims, and yet feeling this sense of communion, that we were in the same place for the same reason, that the same God had drawn us together, and that the same God was empowering us as disciples to go forth and transform the world in love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness. So happy birthday, church. Williamsburg Baptist Church. Global Church. Somehow against all odds, we made it another year. We may even yet find that we're thriving on the other side. Not on our own merits, 
but thanks to the power of a spirit that is not done with us yet. Who knows where the spirit will lead us next? I have no idea, but I'm eager to find out. I hope you are too. Amen.